I'm going to ask that we all bow our heads in prayer. Just start rattling off all the bad things I've done until you get tired of hearing about them or what? I'm going to talk to you about the judge of the fatherless. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't mean to be so difficult, Mrs. Cleaver. It's just that he's at the age where he doesn't realize how important it is to keep a promise. Which Bible stories you want to hear? He's just a Sunday school. Thanks, Dad. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Carl Gessler, here to reignite the faith of our fathers. And today, I have an opportunity for you to do ministry. If you ever wondered, what can I do to advance the kingdom of God? Can God use me? Today, I'm going to share with you something that every single person listening to this podcast can do. It's really simple and really powerful. So I wanted to share with you just uh, a letter that I received today that made persecution in America feel very real, because it is very real. You know, sometimes when we, oftentimes I think, when we talk about persecution, uh, when we talk about uh, miracles as well, we tend to um, not recognize it when, when it's right in front of our face. I think when we read it in the Bible, we kind of add some romantic uh, senses to it, maybe put it in a framework that's more like a movie and less like real life. And then when we see a miracle in real life, we explain it away. When we see persecution in real life, we kind of say, well, it's not really persecution uh, because we're comparing it to some very sensational story that we've heard. Um, I worked with the Voice of the Martyrs as a volunteer for many years, met many incredible believers who have been persecuted intensely for their faith, imprisoned for three years um, for making Christmas lights uh, for, as a slave to send to America. Um, that was one, one woman that I met. Another man I met was hung upside down and had boiling oil poured over his feet. Um, I met Brother Yoon, who spent eight years in communist prisons, enduring all sorts of torture. Um, so we know these stories, but uh, persecution is happening all over the place, all the time. Jesus said, or, or um, the Apostle Paul said, in Second Timothy, that all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So we will experience some measure of persecution, but some experience more than others. And right now in this country, we have people being unjustly imprisoned, tortured for their um, for their political views, but also for their faith, uh, because of many of our J six brothers and sisters. Um, many of them are believers. And the reason that they went to the Capitol in the first place was not for a revolution. It wasn't for a riot. It was to stand up for what they knew to be true. We know that the election was rigged. We know that it was stolen. And we know that the people in Washington know. And um, unfortunately, it was a trap that many uh, people fell for. Um, that got got caught up in, you know. There's a lot. There's so much injustice there. Uh, but the point I want to make is that they are our brothers and sisters. And even those that are not, even those who um, are just were just there for political reasons, they are still unjustly in prison. And even if they weren't unjustly in pr- prison, it is still a Christian um, duty to reach out to them. Um, and it's a calling. It's a noble calling. Uh, there are many people who have. Uh, spent many years doing ministry by writing letters to people in prison. Many people have been brought to Christ through that ministry. So, um, 
all that to say is we have uh, brothers and sisters who are persecuted uh, for the truth. They're persecuted for their faith. Um, and we also have prisoners who need our ministry. And so I wrote to a few of our J6 prisoners and, um, and I'm writing more. I'm, I'm writing it, uh, as much as I can. Um, well, that's, of course, we always, my dad used to say, you have time for whatever you make time for. So I'm trying diligently to make more time to write to prisoners because I got a letter back from uh, Joe Biggs, who I wrote to, and just seeing this letter that I have in my hand here um, in his own handwriting uh, is really, it was very sobering. And if you can see, for those of you who are watching, as opposed to listening, here at the end of the letter, he describes, uh, he says, sorry, my handwriting is bad. I have to write in a cramped space on the floor because he's in solitary confinement. And Joe Biggs hasn't been tried yet. He's been in prison for over a year uh, without a trial, which is completely unconstitutional, a complete violation of, of uh, human rights. Um, and he is being tortured. Solitary confinement is torture. Um, and uh, at most, uh, like the greatest crime uh, that he possibly could have committed is trespassing, which is very um, also... Uh, that's a very loose um, charge since the doors to the Capitol building were open from the inside. Uh, so, um, yeah, it was just very compelling, very convicting to, uh, to just see this the, with the human touch, to see Joe's handwriting um, and to feel the emotion uh, of what he's going through. Um, and so it's just important for us to recognize persecution when we see it. Um, and to do what we ought to be doing, how, you know, to live our lives accordingly. Um, I've written to people, I've written letters to Christians around the world who are persecuted for their faith. Um, it's much easier and in a way more exciting, if that, that may sound weird, but there's, it's more exciting to write to people in my own country because I understand them and I understand their language and I can speak uh, more, I can speak their heart language, and there is a powerful ministry. That uh, this is a powerful ministry. It's simple. It's profound. It's very Jesus-like. It's about washing feet. Uh, Joe says to me, "Thank you for your letter. I really needed to hear that. It meant a lot." This is a man who's in solitary confinement. Almost anything you could write to him would be an encouragement, unless you were <laughs> attacking him. Um, also, if you're writing and you're all you're doing is bad mouthing the people who have put him in prison, that's not going to help him. Uh, it may be, you know, the, his situation is completely unjust. It's fine to acknowledge that. But if we write letters that are um, attacking the people delivering those letters, it's not going to help the people that we're trying to help. So um, sometimes people ask, well, what can I write? What would I write to a prisoner? And I think uh, the easy thing is just to write what you think you would need? What, what would you need if you were in solitary confinement for 23 hours a day, if you had been unjustly imprisoned for over a year and you don't know when you're going to get out um, and you don't have the money to pay the legal fees, what would you need to hear? Um, and one of the reasons this is an important exercise is because it's a challenge of our own faith, um, because a lot of times we don't have answers for what would we do in the situation of suffering. Um, uh, where we really didn't have any outside resources. We couldn't go out and get an extra job to pay bills, or um, we didn't have the health 
to, to have a job at all, you know? Um, a lot of times we don't take the time to think through those situations. And so when they come on us, we're, we're uh, caught off guard and many times our faith collapses or we enter some kind of crisis or depression or suicide. Um, and so it's an important exercise for us as we minister to other people to think through what are the answers that Jesus provides for us to these situations. Um, because this isn't about, uh, and this is really important too when we write letters, this isn't about I, um, I, the man with all the answers and the strength, am going to minister to you poor person in prison. It's we're in this together. I could be, I could be in prison just as well as any of the J6ers uh, because they were imprisoned unjustly. They weren't imprisoned for breaking uh, the law. They were imprisoned for having the wrong political views. And I have the wrong political views according to many. Um, so I could be in there as well. Um, and even beyond that, we're all sinners, and I'm just as prone to um, getting caught up in a sin that would lead me into trouble as anybody else. And so we always, you know, we want to we wanna talk to one another as equals because we are equal. <laughs> and uh, so um, I, I just try to remind um, our brothers and sisters of facts about Jesus that um, he is Lord of all. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That's a really important word for me. Uh, when I have been in situations where I'm scared and my feelings say, God has abandoned me. The truth is, Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So the truth is, no matter what my feelings are, Jesus is with me in this moment right now. Now, how do I act? How do I respond if Jesus is really with me in this moment? Um, and so I always try to remind him, like, this is the fact. Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you in prison. Uh, in Revelation, it says that Jesus has been given the keys that the, the doors that he opens, no one can shut. And the ones he shut, no, one's can, no one can open. So there is no prisoner who is dependent upon uh, the government, ultimately, uh, for releasing him. The government can have its plans. Uh, the government can have its way, but when we uh, look to Jesus, the, the government can do what it wants to an extent. Uh, but when we look to Jesus and acknowledge his presence with us, just like Peter walking on the water, according to the normal world as we know it, you can't do that. You can't walk on water. But when Jesus looked at Peter and uh, and walked, he could walk on water when he was looking at Jesus. And um, I believe that the doors, you know, if I was in prison, I would be saying to myself, uh, Jesus, thank you for being here with me. Um, open these doors. Please open these doors. Um, and, uh, and know that he um, is going to do that in time. I, I've, um, it's hard to say that, you know, we know that that's not always the case. That sometimes people die in prison. Sometimes... Um, Sometimes, uh, you know, it seems like prayers go unanswered. I think one of the mistakes we make, though, is that we hear other people's stories of saying, well, I prayed for this and it didn't happen. And we think, oh, okay, so sometimes it doesn't happen. It probably won't happen in my case. I guess it won't happen. And the thing is that we can't look at other people uh, and uh, limit ourselves based upon their experience. Limit Jesus, really, I should say, based upon their experience because... Uh, like Jesus said to um, to those who came seeking for healing, he said, let it be done according to your faith. Like the centurion who said, heal uh, my 
servant, Jesus said, I will come to your house and heal him. And he said, you don't have to come to my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, let it be done according to your faith. Um, so uh, if I was in prison, I would be saying, Lord, I know you hold the keys to this prison door. And in your time, you will open it. I ask that you open it soon. Uh, but I also ask that you'd help me to be faithful right here, right now, uh, to do to, for this assignment. Um, and Brother Yoon, who spent the eight years in horrible prisons, the prisons in China are 10, 20 times worse than our prisons, although the D.C. prisons may be coming a lot closer. Um, but he said that the people that endure persecution uh, do better than people that run away from it. Of course, because running away from it is is failure, ultimately. Um, but he said the people that thrive in it are those that embrace it as an assignment from God. Um, you know, a, a chance to love our enemies, a chance to pray for those who persecute us, a chance to testify to the truth. Uh, and when we actually embrace it as an assignment, it no longer becomes... Um, someone else or something else keeping me in prison, but rather I chose to come here because I'm standing for the truth. That's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. And I think that changes everything. And of course, I'm speaking from someone who's not um, behind bars, not enduring uh, um, solitary confinement, not in prison, but we all do have prisons of sorts. We have prisons um, in the mind. We have prisons of the soul. We have uh afflictions in life that can completely enslave us. It can completely um, can just it can control our lives and we need deliverance. Um, physical and physical uh, physical and spiritual deliverance are not that that far apart. Um, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast lately, just uh, how Jesus, when he went around healing, so often it says that he cast out demons and healed the sick, or first he cast out the demons and then the sick were healed. They, one follows the other. The demons um, uh, oftentimes hold us, it's demons oftentimes holding us in bondage, in slavery. They are the true uh, prison wards, and Jesus can set us free from them wherever we are. And, you know, um, I have heard many stories. I've talked to many people. I've interviewed many people who have endured persecution. And time and time again, what they say, uh, either um, explicitly or implicitly, is that the greatest suffering in prison is not physical. It's spiritual. It's emotional. It's feeling forgotten, feeling neglected. Andrew, uh, it's feeling. It's being told the lies. You're worthless. You're trash. It's it's the words of the accuser. It's the words of Satan. It's the words of demons. That's what causes the greatest affliction in the world. Which is why Paul can say, "All those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted." That doesn't mean that you're going to go to jail necessarily. It means that when you walk in the truth, Satan wants to take you out. He's a uh, a lion prowling around seeking someone to devour. So we shouldn't be surprised when we face opposition. But know that Jesus has overcome death in the grave and that all authority in heaven and earth is given to him. So when we look to Jesus, we begin to walk out of that prison cell. Uh, and many times um, the freedom we experience inside manifests on the outside as well. Um, and uh, so... Um, 
you know, the, the, uh, the letter writing thing is really important because when we are physically aff afflicted, those lies become a lot louder. They become a lot stronger. Um, and when someone from the outside writes to them, you know, uh, someone like me, um, I recently did a vlog for our, our channel with our family where we went tubing. And I'm aware as I'm making this video about us having fun as a family, enjoying this kind of free time, that there are many people um, right now fighting for our country, fighting for the truth, uh, facing injustice, having their houses swatted, and all sorts of uh, things like that. Um, that, uh, you know, it, it's easy to be like, okay, well, that's not my problem. So I'm just, you know, I'm just going to enjoy life and try not to think about that. Uh, when you're in prison, you imagine everybody else just forgetting you doing that. And when you take the time, uh, you who are free, you who are comfortable, when you take the time to remember those that are in prison, as it says in Hebrews 13, 3, uh, remember those who are in prison and those who suffer in the flesh because you also are in the body, uh, then it, it just says to them, you're not forgotten, uh, which also says to them, God has not forgotten you. It breaks all those lies that Satan is using to torture them and enslave them in prison. It's a powerful ministry. So I need to do more of it. I'm going to do more of it. I have done more of it, but I, I need to do more. Um, and I encourage you to do it too, because it will reward you. I was really blown away and blessed to get this letter from Joe, uh, because it came back fast, which the only way it could have come to me that fast is if he pretty much read it, uh, read my letter, sat down and wrote his letter, which says to me, one, uh, how lonely he is, but two, uh, how few letters he's getting. Um, so let's change that. Amen. I have a link below this video um, for the uh, Patriot Mail Project so you can find all the uh, names and faces um, and addresses so that you can write to our brothers and sisters. And um, when you do that too, take a minute to pray uh, for the person you're writing to. Ask the Lord to give you the words um, and just just pray over their picture. Um, and also, I think this is very important, not only for them, but for us as well, for our own hearts to protect against anger. Pray for their persecutors, who are also our persecutors. Pray for the prison wardens. Pray for the judges. Pray for everyone involved, that they would come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and that they also would realize that God's love is for them, that Jesus' love, Jesus' blood is for them in spite of everything that they've done. The, the fastest way, and really the only way for us to renew our country, is through a genuine revival. And revival doesn't come through the anger of man. That's what, um, that's what the scripture says, that the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Uh, it's the, it, it sounds cliche, and for a lot of us it sounds, it sounds kind of wimpy. It's not at all. Uh, but it's the love of Christ that brings uh, revival. It's the, the love of Christ is the answer. And so we must um, show love to our neighbors, uh, love to our persecutors. And there's nothing wimpy about praying for those who abuse you, those who persecute you. There's nothing wimp wimpy about praying for our enemies. Psalm 7. O Lord my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all those who pursue me and deliver me, or he will tear my soul like a lion dragging me away while there's none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is injustice in my hands, if I have rewarded evil to my friend, 
or plundered him who without cause was my adversary. Let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. Let him trample my life down to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift up yourself against the rage of my adversaries and arouse yourself from me. You have appointed judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples encompass you and over them return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, according to the integrity that is in my hands. O let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. For the righteous God tries the hearts and minds. My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. If a man does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. He has prepared for himself deadly weapons. He makes his arrows fiery shafts. Behold, he travails with wickedness. He conceives mischief and brings forth falsehood. He has dug a pit and hollowed it out. He has fallen into the hole which he made. His mischief will return upon his own head, and his violence will descend upon his own pate. I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness, and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. This is the word of the Lord. One of the keys to thriving in the middle of persecution, especially imprisonment, is memorized scripture. We take for granted here in the United States that we will, the idea that we will always have the scripture available to us. I've heard st- statistics that say the average American has eight to nine Bibles in their home, but they barely ever read them. Many people around the world do not have Bibles at all, not even in their own language. And many places like China may have Bibles printed, but not nearly enough for all the people in the country. China prints a bunch of Bibles, but they send them out of the country to other nations. Many churches in China share one Bible that they tear into pieces and spread among each other, and they memorize as much as they can because they never know uh, when their hard copy will be taken from them. So memorization is a key thing for us to uh, practice as a discipline, to be uh, ready at every moment, even um, without going to prison, uh, we will be enriched, we will be empowered, we will be emboldened by memorizing Scripture. We'll also be challenged. Um, memorizing Scripture has been a major part of my development. I learned, uh, I was motivated to memorize Scripture uh, because of Brother Yoon, uh, the Chinese pastor who spent eight, one of the Chinese pastors that spent um, multiple years in prison in China, enduring suffering of all kinds, and he memorized scripture. It challenged me to do the same, and in that process, I memorized things like, uh, or I, I studied things like Psalm 137, which talks about um, some very difficult passages of scripture, about uh, which sounds like vengeance on our enemies. It says, uh, uh, speaking of Israel's enemies, may uh, they dash their little ones against a rock, and that's like a really difficult, you know, that's not a, that's not a prayer. We're not supposed to pray that God destroys our enemy's children. Um, so just by studying the scripture, I was challenged to like, okay, now how do I, how do I make sense of this? You know, the, the, uh, the technical term for that is hermeneutics. How does this particular scripture fit in, in context into the Bible and how do I, um, apply it to my own life? So, Memorizing the scripture is going to challenge us, um, it's going to enrich us, and it is a safeguard um, for 
the day of persecution. So it's something I practice and I encourage you to as well, which is why uh, I made the um, the music, uh, the, the Psalm 7 with the music in the background that you just heard, um, and I have others that I'm doing. I'm going through the Gospel of Matthew, putting it to music in a dramatized fashion that kind of captures the meaning. Uh, it just kind of draws you in and makes it more uh, personal and alive rather than kind of a stagnant, monotone reading. Um, so uh, if you'd like to get some of that, um, you can uh, always join me on our, our Telegram channel. Um, also, I am on YouTube um, and Rumble. Uh, so I'll have those videos. Um, all those videos are on YouTube, and I share them oftentimes on Telegram as well. If you're not on that community, all the links for all of uh, these sh- these channels are in this description. At least I think all of them are. I'm on all the on all the things. Uh, Gab, if you haven't heard of Gab, I'm on Rumble. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Telegram. I'm not. I should. I take that back. I'm not on everything. I'm not on Instagram, and I'm not on Facebook, and um, I. Uh, I'm on Rumble because hopefully I uh, I hope that Rumble will eventually compete with YouTube in a more um, significant way because I want to move away from these communist con- uh, companies and I you may that may sound like hyperbole to you it's not to me um, they they certainly are evil communist companies and so I avoid them um, and anyway so if you'd like to get more uh, scripture put to music. I encourage you to check out uh, the YouTube channel particularly because you can listen to it in a playlist, um, which is a great way to hide God's Word in your heart. Um, We've got several chapters of Matthew up there and about eight Psalms, so there's more to come, and I look forward to sharing that with you. Next week, I'm going to share with you some more wild and crazy stories about what God does in the world. We are rediscovering what has always been true about God, but it seems every generation needs to rediscover the power and the fire of God. Um, And it's a brand new thing that has been around all this time, just waiting to be discovered. So you're not going to want to miss some exciting, crazy stories next week. And I will see you then. God bless. Keep the faith.